Sunday morning to your church, and let me say happy Father's Day to all their dads that are out there. We're so glad that you came to worship with us today. And before we sing together and lift our voices together, I got a question for you this morning. The question is, are you thankful for what God's done for you today? If yeah, amen. If you're thankful, say amen this morning. Amen. Well, we've got a great reason to celebrate because of who our God is, who our Father is, and what He's done for us this morning. This song may be new for some of you, but let me invite you to stand with us with excitement today as we lift our voices and we sing for what our God's done and sing of His thankfulness.
church. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors this week here, and I'm glad you're here with church for us. Some of you got that joke, some of you didn't. It's okay, all right, um, because my, Sunday, my last Sunday will be next Sunday. Uh, I've accepted a job to be a senior pastor in Missouri, and so I just want to welcome you though to church today, and we're excited about all that God is doing here today and this week, and there are a lot of things going on, and we would love to know that you are here, um, but you can check in by texting one of the keywords to our phone number. Let us know how we can pray for you. You can find out all the things going on in the life of our church. Uh, a couple things just you can be praying for, be ready for this week, is this week we have world changers going on on our campus, and there is a lot of students and adult leaders that are going to be here who are going to be working in our community, and the thing that uh, Pastor Brad has worked really hard on and got everything ready for that we need your help for is the weather. Because as much as he's prepared, as much as stuff as we have projects done, we just need good weather so they can be outside and painting and doing the work they're doing. So if this week you would pray for our teams that are going to be here, pray for the weather to cooperate so God could do a lot of great work in those times as well. And then also I want to invite you to be a part of upcoming Save the Date family comedy and indoor picnic, all right? So that means... That means air conditioning, all right? That's the important part, all right? So family comedy, indoor picnic, July 2nd. It's going to be 4.30. We're going to start in here and then make our way to the Family Life Center. It is a great opportunity for us just to celebrate together as a church family. So I'd invite you to mark that date and plan on being here for that. So as we continue to worship, let's just pray this morning. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate that you are a living God the God who sets us free from hell and sets us in heaven. Lord, I pray that as you just continue to allow us to sing praises to your name this morning, that we would lift high the name of Jesus. Father, as Pastor Dan comes to proclaim your word, I pray that you would just fill him with your spirit. Allow us to hear the message you prepared for us and allow us to leave change because of all the works you're doing in our lives. Father, we just praise you and thank you for all that you are. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we do thank God for all he means to us, and we want to proclaim his goodness today on this Father's Day. Come on, church, let's stand as we continue to lift our voices together.
You're perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. So perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father. To you are. It's who you are.
so good to see you this morning. So glad that we have the privilege of uh, being together. And uh, it has been a really special day and a special week. Let me uh, just take a moment and uh, wish all of the dads uh, a happy Father's Day. It is a special day, and uh, it's, a, it's a joy to be able to honor our dads, to honor the, the dads in our own lives, but also honor all the dads uh, here in the room. Would you join me in thanking our dads for the contribution they make? Yeah, it's good. We are so grateful and uh, so thankful that we have the opportunity to uh, to honor them. Dads, I'll just say, and, and we, we won't talk about this a lot, but I'll just say, you know, uh, when we look at our role in the family, we really set the set the stage. The Bible says that that as the husband and as the dad, you are the spiritual leader of your home. And so in many ways, that is the foundation that we set. And that foundation carries on into the community and into the culture. And if you look at the culture today, I'll just say we've got our work cut out for us. And so we need to be very faithful in the way that we're leading and the way that we're guiding and what God is doing in our lives, in our families, and uh, be intentional about making a difference in the world today. So what a powerful thing uh, and, a, and a special opportunity for us to honor dads today. A couple of quick things that you've already heard about, but I'll just uh, I'll reiterate. First of all, World Changers is uh, starting this week, and uh, we're going to have a great week as we're going to have uh, over 150 students from around the country that are coming here to do some uh, projects here in our city. It's a great chance for us to reach out and make a difference in people's lives. You can be a part of that by your prayers, but you can also be a part of that every evening this week, starting tomorrow night at 6.30, and then for the rest of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 7.30, we're going to be having uh, worship services here with our World Changers group, and you are invited to come and attend those. They will be geared towards those students, and it will be a great time, and I hope that you will come. Also, if you have a student in your family, this is a chance for them to interact with other youth groups and other students from around the country, so it's just a chance to maybe build some community, to, uh, to have an opportunity, and really for us all to come together and to support the effort that is going on in our city. So I want to encourage you to come tomorrow night, 6.30, and then for the rest of the week at 7.30 uh, for about an hour, hour and a half worship service, and it will be a great time. Hope that you will come and be a part of that. And so it's something that we are, that's brand new for us, but it is something that has been going on for a long time uh, in our, in our uh, Christian community. And so it's an opportunity for us to make a difference and to really have something special happen over the the course of this week in our church, in our lives, in our community. So I hope that you'll be a part of that. And then also, you might have heard, but our our kids uh, are leaving for Center Kid uh, this afternoon. And so they're going to be heading over to Lake Yale for uh, for Center Kid Camp. Uh, camp is one of those experiences that is massively life-changing in, uh, in kids' lives. And so I'm so excited about being able to send our kids to camp. I'm praying that God will have a really special word for them, a special message for them, and that God will really change their lives by being a part of camp this week. It's a special time, and so I hope that you will pray along with me, uh, that they'll have a great experience and really be able, that, that God will just grow their hearts and their faith this week. And then the final thing that I'll share with you before we jump into scripture today is that this week, uh, several of our pastors were able to be in New Orleans, Louisiana for the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting, and uh, that's always an interesting time. You get about 16,000 church leaders in a room, and then you have open mic discussions, let me just tell you, it's interesting, okay? And I will say that one of the things that's very interesting to me about that is that a lot of times the people that speak on the mic are pastors, and I always want to go up to them later and say, would you let the people in your church talk the way you just spoke? And it's very interesting to see how that happens. And I'll just say that if you've heard anything about those annual meetings or if you've heard anything about decisions that came out of that or if you've heard anything on social media or media or news or anything— the beautiful thing about being a Baptist church is that we are not controlled by the things that happen in that meeting. We participate and we vote and we raise our hand and we say, yes, we agree or no, we don't agree. And we participate. But just because that meeting says something does not control what we are here. And so if you have any questions and you want to talk about something that maybe you, you've heard or read or anything like that, you are welcome to come to any of our pastors, ask any question that you have about what's going on, and we will give you a very, very clear and and straight answer. Good? Thumbs up on that? 
Awesome. Good stuff. Hey, today we're going to be jumping back into the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, it is in Galatians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rack right there in front of you, and you're welcome to pull that out. It's on page 973. So that'll make it easy for you to find exactly where we're going to be reading from. We're going to look at uh, Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. This uh, series called Fully Free is really a study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Galatians, and I believe God is speaking to us in a powerful way. So let's just kind of jump right into what Paul's message is here today. Verse 15, it says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Quickly, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks as we've looked at the book of Galatians. There was this message that Paul was preaching saying that we are forgiven by Jesus and we are forgiven by faith in Jesus. But there was another group, they're called the Judaizers. There was this other group that said, yes, faith in Jesus is important and good, but you also need to follow the rules of Jewishness. You need to follow the rules of Judaism. You need to live a life of purity in a Jewish way. Oh, yeah, and believe in Jesus. And Paul here is, is going back to that group and saying, well, we were Jewish. We grew up in Jewish homes. We were raised in a Jewish way. We practiced all of the Jewish customs. We followed the law. We're going to hear a lot today about the law, the rules. We followed the rules. But, they make this, he makes this distinction, but... We know that honestly, the only thing that you learn by following the law is you learn just how bad you are. You learn how evil you are. You learn how wrong you are. And we don't want to live a life knowing how wrong we are. We want to somehow be made right. We want to live a good life. We want to do the things that we need to do. And so what he says is, yes, We followed the law, just like you're telling us to. But by following the law, all we found out was how bad we are. So we gave our lives to Jesus. Because when we gave our lives to Jesus, when we believed in faith, we found out that even though we didn't always act right, we are right. We are declared as right. We are declared as good because of our faith in Jesus. The law shows us how bad we are. Jesus shows us how good he is and how good he has made us to be. He goes on in verse 17. He says, but if in our endeavor, in our mission to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? He answers his question with, Certainly not. Now, that's a really detailed question. Let me say it in a way that maybe it makes more sense to us. This is the idea that if I am made right by giving my life to Jesus, if my sins are forgiven by giving my life to Jesus, then wouldn't that make it so that I could do anything I wanted And I could just live my life any way that I wanted. I could make any choice that I wanted. If I have given my life to Jesus and I'm forgiven past, present, and future, then I can do anything I want because I'm already forgiven, right? And if Jesus, by coming into my life, makes me forgiven and makes me right, then isn't Jesus making it so that I can live my life any way I want to or sin any way that I want to. 
That's a little uncomfortable. This is that message where with our kids. So as a dad, one of the things that I want to say to my kids is, hey, um, you've given your life to Jesus, which means that your sins have been forgiven. All the sins you've ever done, all the sins you might be doing right now, but not all the sins that you might do. You need to live right from then on. You need to do the right thing and follow the rules and make sure. that Sometimes I don't want to proclaim forgiveness of sin for future sins. Because if I say you're already forgiven, that means they can live any way they want to. He says, if Jesus forgives us of all of our sins, isn't that making him the architect, the builder of a life that is filled with sin? He says, certainly not the reason. For if, then it, for if I rebuild what I tore down... I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. He says, if Jesus has forgiven us of sin, hasn't he made it, hasn't he kind of built up the fact that we can do anything we want to? Certainly not. Because for, if I rebuild What has been torn down. If I rebuild a life of sin when my life of sin has been torn down, all I'm doing is proving myself to be who I am. But if I've given my life to Jesus, I'm not going to rebuild a life of sin. If I've given my life to Jesus, I'm going to rebuild a life of righteousness. I'm going to rebuild a life of good works. If, 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 Giving my life to Jesus means that my sin has been forgiven. That doesn't make me want to go sin more. As a matter of fact, when I've given my life to Jesus, what it makes me want to do is it makes me want to actually live up to the standard that he has created. I want to actually live the way that he has made me to be. I I am forgiven. That doesn't make me want to go sin more. That doesn't make me want to go break the rules more. That makes me want to follow the rules more. I'll give you this example. Parents in the room, you know this to be true. What causes your children to follow your guidelines or your rules more? Discipline or love? The answer is always love. We can, we can discipline and that will, listen... Check this out. Pay attention. We can discipline and it will cause them to correct their behavior once and to hide it better next time. True? I just don't want them to find out because I don't want to get in trouble. But when we develop relationship, when we develop connection, when we have conversations, when we talk about things, when we share how much we care and we love, when we share the background of why is this the rule and why should it be this way, and when we love them, it actually encourages them to internalize the rule rather than just following it because I don't want to get in trouble. It's true. The same is true with Jesus. When he shows us the love that he showed us on the cross, it leads us to a a desire, an internalization of wanting to live the right way, not just so that we, we we don't get caught, but because it's something that's inside of us. It's something that's built up inside of us. And we need to live the life that he has called us to live because he loves us just that much. He goes on to, to, to further his argument. In verse 20, he says, because I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. There's that love again. And gave himself for me. There's that sacrifice. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Paul here is saying that anything you see that is good in me, that's Jesus. That's the fact that Jesus has given his life to me. That's the fact that Jesus has sacrificed himself for me. That's the fact that Jesus paid the price. Anything you see that is good in me, that's Jesus. When you see something bad in me, that's probably me. That's a lot of me. 
But anything you see that's good in me, that's all Christ. Because you see, I, on my own, I will break the rules. I will break the law. But Jesus, the perfect, spotless Son of God, he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And when he died, I died. And when he rose, I rose. And when I give my life to Jesus, when I trust him, it's all about saying, I want him to live in and through me. If you see anything good in me, it's not me. It's Jesus. You can see him. And I want you to see him. He goes on to, to say in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, he, he kind of gives some rhetorical questions. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Some of them were there on the day that he was crucified. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer is clear. It's by hearing with faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? No, it's all by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit's work in our life. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Were you, were you persecuted for your faith or were you persecuted for following the law? You're persecuted for your faith. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? By hearing with faith. These rhetorical questions Paul is asking for the purpose of kind of getting them to an understanding of it's all by faith in the Spirit. It's all by the Spirit's work in our lives. He goes on to use this really Jewish illustration. He says, just as Abraham, see Abraham was the father of all of the Jewish people. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Though know then that it is those of faith who were the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Quick explanation. Abraham. The father of the nation of Israel. I mean, he was the one that they traced their lineage back to. They wanted to be sure that they were connected with Abraham. He was the one that had received the initial promise from God saying, I will make you into a great nation and the whole world will be blessed through you. Abraham. They wanted to follow Abraham. Father Abraham. It was all about who, who Abraham was. Abraham received this promise from God. I will make you into a great nation. He did. The nation is Israel. And I will bless the entire world through you and through your offspring. Paul is saying, the only way that you can receive the blessing that God promised through Abraham is through Jesus. You see, Abraham didn't live a perfect life, but he believed God. And because he believed God, he had faith in God. Because he believed God, he was righteous. Now, if you were around just a few weeks ago, we talked about Abraham quite a few weeks in a row in our dysfunctional series. And you might remember Abraham, while he was counted as righteous, he was not a very righteous person. Do y'all remember? He was the guy that tried to sell off his wife as his sister twice. Do you remember that? I mean, this, this guy was crazy. He was not a good Christian person. And yet, the Bible says that God counted him righteous, not because of what he did, but because of what he believed. When we apply that to our lives today, it has a profound impact. Because you see, we may not be Jewish, but sometimes we act like we are. And the, reason, and, and the reason I say that is I'm not talking just about, you know, all of the food customs and the sacrifice customs and the physical customs and all of the things that you have to do to be Jewish. But I will say 
we in the church are really, really, really good at making rules. You can't do this. You shouldn't do that. You got to be careful about this. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, I, you know, I've told you before that my grandfather was a pastor. That meant that my grandmother was a pastor's wife. And my grandmother kind of had a stronger uh, voice than even sometimes my grandfather did. And I remember my grandmother believed strongly, we don't dance, we don't have playing cards in the house, and no dice. Now, I, I currently don't dance. But it's not because of a convictional thing. It's because I can't. I just, I've got rhythm in my head, nothing in my hips. All right, you with me? Like, my, my dancing is kind of like this, you know? I just can't. I just don't. I don't know what to do with my hands. And I will tell you that the devil does not dwell in playing cards. I, I, that, might, that might be uncomfortable for some of you. But, it, but he doesn't. And we have dice in our house. <gasps> but what that was in a, in a bygone day, in, in really the Baptist church, what that was, was it was rules. The reason that Baptists didn't dance was because of the places that dancing happened. And the things that happened around dances not because of dancing. The reason that Baptists, uh, and, I mean, I, I, it's bad that I'm having to talk about Baptists, but the reason Baptists were against playing cards was not because of aces and jacks and kings. It was because of gambling and poker. It was because of the places and the, the money that was lost over playing cards. The reason that Baptists didn't have dice in their home was because of the gambling and loss of money that happened around using those dice. And so we just made a rule that had nothing to do with the thing. But we just wanted to back off of that so far that we made a rule that nobody should break. So you know what happened? People just hit it. They would just hide it. Because in the same way as we talked about with, with being a parent, if all we're ever focused on is the rules and not the relationship, then all it does is send the behavior further underground. I'll just hide it better so nobody knows. You know how I know that? Because my dad had playing cards and dice. That's how I know. But my grandmother didn't know about it. Because he hid it. Because that was the rule. Y'all, we are so good at making the Christian life all about follow the rules. So it brings me to, to a realization and understanding that we need to have. And this is really important for you to hear. No matter what rules you follow, no matter how good you are, there is no good enough in heaven. There, there is no such thing as you saying, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been good enough. It just doesn't exist. You can't be good enough for heaven. That should be a little disturbing. Let me give you something encouraging. There's also no such thing as bad enough in hell. You, you, there's, there's nobody that went to hell or is going to hell that the reason that they're there is because, well, I was just so bad that nobody, nothing could be done. I did so many bad things that, that nothing could be changed. 
do you realize that there's no amount of good things that you can do that can go to heaven, and there's no amount of bad things that you can do that destine you for the punishment of hell? But instead, we are saved by Jesus plus nothing. The only hope that we have is Jesus plus nothing. Now, that's a little scary to say because, uh, again, you know, the 830 service, uh, my son was in the room. The 945 service, my son is in the room. It's a little difficult to say as a a dad because what I want to say is we are saved by Jesus plus follow my rules. That's what I want to say. I want to say we are saved by Jesus plus obey your dad. That's what I want to say. But that's not how it works. So we get to that age-old question, though. Again, we've talked about this. So do you, are you telling me that I can give my life to Jesus and just live any way that I want to? Or are you saying that if I do all the good stuff, that Jesus won't save me? I'll say it this way. If you are truly saved, if, you are tr- if you've truly given your life to Jesus, salvation will lead to good works. But good works will never lead you to salvation. You can never do enough good things to be saved. But if you're saved, you will want to live a life of good because of what Jesus has done for you. You will want to live a life that is pure and holy and righteous because of what has happened to you. In the same way, and I've, I've, I've used this illustration several times today. But in the same way, as parents, you see God is our heavenly father. In the same way, as parents, we're going to accomplish a whole lot more by love and relationship than we are by just harsh discipline. At some point, the rule has to come over to a relationship. And if we never get there, then all we're going to do is send the bad behavior further underground. We've got to have a relationship. And do you know what Jesus did for us when he gave his life on the cross? He initiated a relationship. He opened his arms to a relationship so that we could know him and he could know us. And no longer was it about follow these rules. That's what it had been up to that point. Now it was believe in me. Give your life to me. Receive me. And you are forgiven. The relationship is there and it's available to us. Now I want to talk to a group of people here in this room and it's so important that you hear this. There's a group of people that are brand new. You've just barely gotten here. You're barely here. And I I, I just want you for just a moment to realize that I'm talking to everybody else in the room. Right now I'm not talking to you. But there's a group of people that are sitting here and you have been sitting in that seat, in that place, in this place for so long that the cushion is literally molded to your backside. You are so comfortable in this room and you come every week and you sit in the same place. When we renovated this building, we actually numbered and lettered the rows and seats, and you have literally figured out which row and seat number you sit in every week. 
You've got it figured out. You are here and you'll be here. You're one of those, when I said, when I said just a moment ago, hey, we're going to have a worship service tomorrow night at 6.30. You're like, I'm there. I'm going to be there. 6.30. Oh, 7.30. I'm there. 7.30. The vacation Bible school, you are here. You're in a small group or a Sunday school class. You are serving on committees. You are, you are churched. You are really engaged in the church. Can I tell you something? What you've done by all of that is you followed the rules. Good job. I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. But if underlying that, you have not given your life to Jesus, then none of it is worth anything. The Bible actually calls it hay and stubble. And it means that one day it's all going to be burned to a crisp. The only thing that makes us ready for heaven is a relationship with Jesus. Do not depend on how good you are. It's only Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Now let me come back to those that are brand new here. I'm looking at a room and there's people here that this is your very first time here. I want you to know that you can start on the right foot. Not by following all the rules and acting like all the other people in the room. But you can follow, you can start on the right foot by today giving your life to Jesus. It's the most important decision you could ever make. So let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. And God, I pray that you will just continue to speak to us even right now as we commit our way to you. Work in our lives and in our hearts. As you continue to pray, just want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today and what I just talked about, you say, I've, I've followed all the rules, I've done all the stuff, but I've never taken that faith step. Maybe you're a longtime church person. And by what I just shared, you were like, yep, that's me, yep, that's me, yep, that's me. And you realize, I've never given my life to Jesus, yep, that's me. Or maybe you're brand new here and you've, you just want to start on the right foot by saying, today I want to bring my life and I want to give my life to Christ. I want to believe in him and trust him. I want to start right. Regardless of which end of that spectrum you fall on, we're all together here. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, if you've never given your heart to him, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer, inviting Jesus to be the Savior of your life. To start on the right foot, or maybe to get back to the right place. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd just like to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If today you want to give your life to Jesus, right here, right now, would you be so bold as to just raise your hand? You can lift it and you can put it right back down. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anyone, this is your moment. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Father, I thank you for the way that you work in our lives. I thank you for those in this room, God, that may be dealing with you right now. And I pray that you would show us, God, the way that we can take the next step in our relationship with you. God, for so many in this room, we've given our lives to you. But God, there are others who just have not quite done that yet. So 
But Father, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and in our lives. Father, I thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you for the way that you lead us. I thank you for the things that you do in our lives and in our hearts. God, I pray that you would keep us from just being rule followers. God, that you would allow us to live in a relationship with Jesus every day. Help us, Father. Help us to see your hand at work in our lives and to rejoice in the goodness that is calling you, the, calling you our Father. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing this closing song together. All right. Well, I want to sing this last chorus. What a beautiful message. And I just want every voice to sing this with me, just like this. He picked me up. He turned me around and placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Because, because He healed my heart and changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Just when I 